the last time to turn to Matthew chapter 28. All right. Today we finish our series studying the Great Commission. But before we get into that, I want to spend a, a couple of moments thanking everybody who serves in our church, all of our volunteers, all of the time that you give to come and be here and the things that you do. Please hear me, there is no small part in this church. Every person matters and everything that is done matters. And so everyone that came yesterday is laying down that sod, working so hard. Thank you. And, and my dad has been coming, he's been doing some painting for us. And, and so thank you to him, using his giftings. And by God's grace, we get to use what he has gifted us in to serve the body, to serve the church. And so there is no small part when it comes to serving God's church. I hope you know that. So thank you. So Matthew chapter 28, we close our series where we have been studying what does Jesus mean when he says, go and make disciples of of all nations. And we've talked about what it means to be sent out. What does it actually mean to to make a disciple? And, And what does it mean when Jesus says all nations? And today we close by talking about this reality that when we go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus is with us. We don't do this by ourselves. Thank God. We don't do this by ourselves. And so, there's one other element to uh, this whole sermon series that we've been doing together where I've been challenging all of you to memorize just a few short verses. And I've been super gracious to you. I've given you the whole passage on that giant projector where you've been able to look, but maybe you don't know. I, I also watch you, and I, I see who's been, who's been doing this. And, um, but there's no judgment here. We're all learning together. And And you even heard me last week. I messed up too. And so um, I told you I wasn't going to give you even a sentence, but today I give you a sentence that will come up. There you go. So there's, there you get a head start. You get a, you get a, I'm giving you a a pass, a hall pass as they say in school. So let's start there. And we'll do this together on the count of three. And Jesus came and said to them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Come on now. I was like, man, you guys are great. Oh, okay, good, good. Well, that's fantastic. So you guys are great. You you guys are great. Good for you. Well, hey, uh, we've been doing this series, and so what I want to do is I just want to pray. I want to open us in just a quick prayer and ask our God to do something immeasurably more than we're even thinking right now or imagining. So would you join me as I pray? Father in heaven, we believe that you are the Lord of the universe. Everything is, is held by the power of your word and sustained by the power of your word. And God, we pray in, this, in these next few moments that your word would speak, that, that you would pierce through Uh, soul and spirit joint and marrow and teach us give us things that are hidden maybe to us and that we can use and for the edification of our own lives and for those who need to hear this good news god use us use us powerfully for the spread of this good news and teach us today all these things we ask in jesus name amen so at the beginning of this series i mentioned how it is actually and this is uh, by no fault of us it's actually impossible for us to make disciples of all nations. It really is. It's actually impossible for us. What we're trying to do is teach people all over the world, in your neighborhood, 
in this city and, and beyond this city and all over the globe, we're trying to teach people about our God. You do realize that, right? We're trying to teach people about our God. And there are millions of different gods being worshipped all over the world. Jesus has commissioned us, he has commanded us to go out and teach people about our God and to baptize them in Christ. And that just seems extremely difficult. I mean, it just seems hard, doesn't it? We're, we're trying to point people to Jesus. Maybe they're worshiping another God. And it's our uh, mission to do exactly this, to teach people about Jesus. But it's amazing, really, before Jesus gives this command, before he, he commissions his disciples, there's not a nation, there's not a country, a world leader, uh, no entity that exists in the universe more powerful than Jesus. He tells us all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. That's what Jesus says. And then he gives us this seemingly impossible command. Go and make disciples of the whole world. Go and make disciples of the whole world. But here's the best part of the whole Great Commission. Jesus follows up that command by saying, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And so in other words, this mission, this Great Commission, it's not based on who you are. It's not based on who I am or what any of us can do. No, this mission is assured by Jesus and it will be accomplished through the presence and power of Jesus himself. It's all based on Jesus. It's not based on us at all. It is not based on us. Jesus tells his disciples, he tells them in Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so in other words, Jesus gives his disciples this commission, but they aren't actually commissioned yet to go and make disciples until he gives them his spirit. So Jesus gives his spirit first and then commissions them second. So the great commission, it's based on who Jesus is and what he's able to accomplish through your life and through mine. And, might I just say, the life of this church. May I just make it personal, the life of Hillcrest. The ability for us to further God's kingdom, to make disciples of all nations, it's all about Jesus and Him working and operating and living through us. And that is worth an amen, I might say. So in this season of our lives, it is good that the power and the authority of Almighty God, Jesus, is over the Great Commission, and it is good that the presence and power of Jesus is in the Great Commission. Because right now, I mean, let's be honest, church. Right now we find ourselves in some very uncertain times. And we have been. Unprecedented times is a, a thing I hear often. Everything happening with a pandemic COVID-19 world. Our nation seems divided and has for some time. There's been discussions about vaccines and, and microchips and, and all of these things that, you know, that the government's trying to scare us and we don't know what to think. And is this even a, a nation under God anymore? Is this even a Christian nation anymore? These are uncertain times. And honestly, the crazier it gets, the harder it seems to make disciples. Doesn't it? People all around are rejecting God. They are. In your neighborhood, in the city, in this country, and all over the world. And Jesus tells us, make disciples of all nations. And here's what the enemy wants you to think. Is it all worth it? Is it all worth it? I mean, is it even worth it? People left and right are rejecting God. 
we're being quarantined or, or shelter in place or, you know, we have to wear masks. And it's like, how can we even make disciples? How can we even share the good news? Is it all worth it? That is what the devil wants you to think. Is it all worth it? Will it all be worth it? And you know what? Stephen thought it was worth it. Stephen in the Bible, in Acts 7, he was one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, he was the first Christian martyr. He was the first one of the Christian faith to die for what he believed about Jesus. Stephen in the book of Acts is standing before the Sanhedrin, the council, these religious leaders in, in Jesus' day. And long story short, Stephen preaches at him. And he's talking about Abraham and Moses and and all of that in between, all the way up until Jesus, and, and how the Old Testament, it all points to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Stephen begins to accuse these religious leaders. They're known as the religious elite, the cream of the crop. And Stephen, he just begins to accuse them. You rejected him. You killed the Messiah, the one promised from the Old Testament. You killed him and rejected him. And this, of course, as you might imagine infuriated the religious leaders. They begin grinding their teeth, clenching their fists, and then they throw him out of where they were, out of the city walls. They start stoning him because that's exactly what you do when someone disagrees with you. You throw rocks at them. And so he's being stoned, and you might think, Stephen, at this point, he's being stoned. Probably pretty, pretty soon he's going to die. You might think Stephen should have just been like, you know what, this, is, this isn't worth it. I mean, you're going to stone me to death? Who wants to die being stoned to death? You know what? This is not worth it. Forget what I said. You know, you go your way, I'll go my way. You do you, and I'll do me. And I'm still going to believe what I believe about Jesus, and you can believe what you want to believe about the Scriptures. And, and you know what? It's just not worth it. Forget what I said. But you know what? Just forget I was even here. This conversation, it never happened. I'll go be with my friends. You go be with your friends. It's not worth it. But that's not what Stephen does. And that's not what happens. Maybe Stephen, in this moment, considered what Jesus had once said. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Stephen stands by his conviction. Filled with the Holy Spirit. See, that's the best part about the Great Commission. We're not by ourselves. See, in the flesh, any single one of us. If we're being threatened by stones to our death, you know what, forget it. Because here's the thing, we can certainly go to our house and say, you know what, I'm going to worship here. I'm going to blast worship music, I'm going to open up the scriptures, and I'm going to worship and everything's fine and nobody's going to mess with me. But in this context, if you're going to stone me to death, I'm talking about Jesus, you know what, it's not worth it. That's what happens in the flesh. But under the power of Almighty God, filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen has the boldness and the courage to proclaim the good news. And he doesn't stop, and he does not back down. Why? Because he's fixed on Jesus. Stones are being thrown. This man is obviously going to die soon. And what's happening in that moment in Stephen's life? He's fixed on the Lord. It says he saw the glory of the Lord. Stephen was not concerned with stones. He wasn't concerned with threats. He was fixed on the King and Lord of all of heaven and earth. To Stephen, it was worth it. And of course, you probably know the outcome. As they stoned him, it says in Acts 7, Stephen prayed. What boldness. What boldness this man had. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees. 
I don't know if he fell to his knees because he was hit with a rock, or maybe just an adoration to glory of God, but he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. What a way to go out. What a way to go out. Filled with the Holy Spirit, under the power of Almighty God, Stephen went out as a martyr. He did not back down. Jesus is sovereign Lord over everything, and it's worth even dying for to Stephen. So, now the question is, is it all worth it? Well, the church in Iran thinks so. I mentioned last week, if you weren't here, the fastest growing church in the world today is in Iran. It's not in McKinney. It's not in America, contrary to what you might think. The fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran. It's also one of the most heavily persecuted churches in the world, if not the most. They count it all worth it. And I also said, disciples are being multiplied in Iran through women. Through women, they count it all worth it. Even though it's against the law in their country to be a Christian, and they're not only being persecuted, but if they're caught, they are executed in ways you can't even imagine. But they count it all worth it. Because Jesus says, they understood the promise. Jesus is with them. Always. To the end of the age. So this commission is made possible despite persecution despite your circumstances, despite worldly or national circumstances. The the Great Commission is possible despite any ruler, any authority, any leader, any dictator. It's, it's, It's made possible whether the Republican Party is in office or whether the Democratic Party is in office. Whether a nation rages against nation, whether whether a nation is against itself, whether there's wars or rumors of wars, whether there's a pandemic or talk about vaccines and all of the uncertainty in between. If we look at all of these things just mentioned and all of the things that I'm not mentioning, we see all of these things happening around us. And if we look at it through the lens of the world and through the lens of our flesh, then we're going to be greatly discouraged. And we will easily back down, especially the harder and tougher it gets. We will easily back down if we look at all these things happening through our flesh and through the lens of the world. But if you look at all of these things happening through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And we have the the gospel today in America because men and women, men like Stephen, they counted it all worth it. They believed Jesus when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. They came under his authority and said, all right, he's commanded us, our leader and king, and God has commanded us, we have to make disciples of all nations, and we don't stop, and we don't stop, and we don't back down. And, and probably because he said something pretty amazing. Guess what? This command, it may seem impossible, but guess what, guys? All authority has been given to me, heaven and earth. Oh, and you know, if I could just one-up myself, Jesus is saying, I'll always be with you. If I could just one-up myself one more time to the end of the age. And you, church, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, because men and women that we see in the book of Acts, they were faithful. They did not back down. So could it be, church, in 2020 that Jesus wants to show up in your life and in the life of this church in a powerful, mighty, miraculous way for the sake of his own renown. That's all Jesus wants. He wants to be exalted. And by his grace, he has called you and me. He's, he's actually set you apart, the Bible says. 
by the gospel of God for such a time as this? Could it be that Jesus is looking at you right now as an individual saying, I want to use you for the sake of my own renown? What an incredible thing. To take the gospel to all nations, Pontetal ethne, every single people group on this planet, Jesus says, we'll hear the good news. It will be accomplished. Why? Why will it be accomplished? Because the Apostle Paul says, God is able to do more through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think or imagine. He's able. He is able. In my first year as a Christian, you know, I was learning. Uh, I was reading. Uh, I was trying to know as much as I could. And, you know, when I was in that season of my life, I really sensed God starting to call me into ministry and to preaching and to be a pastor and to all of those things. But I didn't know what it looked like. And, and I was trying to figure things out by myself. And, and there was a point in my life where I wrote on a sticky note in my Bible about four and a half years ago. There might be a picture. See, that says at the top, you may not be able to read it, but it says opportunities to preach. And I was just praying that God would give me direction in preaching and ministry and, and, and as a pastor. And, and I would pray that all the time. And that is still in my Bible today. I just ran across it the other day. I would just pray, God, I, I sense a calling to preach. And so I, I would pray and ask for direction, ask for clarity. And there's a, so I also was praying about my wife too, as you can see. I thought that was important to pray about. And then I ended up, two years after I became a Christian, in Africa, preaching in front of three or four hundred of the youth there in Uganda, Africa. God had done more than I could have imagined when I started praying that prayer. But here's what got me this past week. I had been praying that for years and years, and I wrote that almost five years ago, and praying for preaching opportunities. God, where are you leading me? And I, and I just graduated Bible college and um, recently, and as many of you know, and, and now I get to help pastor and lead a church and preach on a regular basis and in one of the fastest growing cities and literally the fastest growing county in the nation. I'm telling you, church, God does immeasurably more than you might ask, think, or even imagine. He is able to do all things through Christ in us. That is what the Word of God says. And that is what God's Word says about you. And so what does all this mean for us, Nate? Like, like as we sit in this room in 2020, as we seek to make disciples of all nations, what does that mean? Let me tell you what it means. Number one, first thing, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus once told His disciples that, you know, it's, it's going to be better for you that I leave. How ridiculous does that sound? God in the flesh, Creator of heaven and earth, is with them a few years and then he up and says, hey, it's going to be better for you guys actually if I leave. And they're like, no, it's not. That's crazy. Sometimes, you know, maybe you need to eat your breakfast because that's crazy. But he says, it's going to be better for you that I leave. Which you can imagine freaked them out. It would freak you out. It would freak me out. He was their leader. He was their guide. He was their protector. But he says, I'm going to give you. It's when I leave that I can give you my Holy Spirit. And I'll always be with you. It's through the Holy Spirit that God is always with us. So what does always mean? Well, always means always. Like always. All the time. But I'm not so convinced that we always believe that. 
when we talk about uncertainty, and that's what we're facing in, in this world, really, is this is all this uncertainty, all this unrest, all this rioting all across the country. It's like, who do we trust? Well, there was a man in the Bible in the Old Testament. His name was Joshua, and uh, Moses was actually the leader of God's people, and he had died, and, and now Joshua steps into this leadership position, and many scholars believe that he had stepped into a leadership position where he was overseeing roughly two million people or so. And Joshua was looking out into the promised land and the great uncertainty ahead of him, no doubt. And the Lord says this to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So if the, if, if the Lord leads you right, guess what? God's going right. And if the Lord leads you left and you go left, He's with you. And if he, if he tells you to go right and you go left, guess what? He's still with you. Now, you may miss out on something God had for you if you don't go right and He told you to go right, but instead you go left. You might miss out on, on a blessing. You might miss out on something. Because that's called disobedience. But, but the promise still remains. He's still with you. Because He's full of mercy and full of grace. And He loves you. And so the Lord your God goes with you. Every step that you take in this world, the Lord your God goes with you. What an amazing promise. A promise that God always keeps. He always keeps. So at the very beginning of this Gospel actually, Matthew writes something that was actually first uttered in the Old Testament. It's, it's this promise that one day someone would be born King of the Jews. King of the nations, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And I want to tell you something, church. The most important part of making disciples of all nations is God with us. God with us. Jesus is speaking to a group of people when he commissions them to make disciples of all nations. He's, he's speaking to a group of people. But anytime anybody is speaking to a group of people, guess what? They're speaking to an individual. They're speaking to an individual. So, that's you, by the way. Uh, as you sit in the seat you're sitting in. Literally. God in, of the universe. The one who created heaven and earth. Uh, so many people think he's unreachable. He's too far off. He, he wants nothing to do with me. I'm just one person in a world of seven plus billion. You mean the creator of the universe? A universe which I don't even understand? You mean he actually cares about me? The, the one person? And he does, by the way. Because when Jesus speaks to a group, he's speaking to an individual. The most important part of discipleship is, is God with us. And so, speaking of individuals, maybe you're here and you've been hurt by someone. Maybe you've been hurt by someone in this church or a church. Well, guess what? Jesus is still with you. Maybe you're, you're experiencing spiritual warfare and you're wondering, well, was anybody else experiencing this too or is it just me? And if it's just me, then well, how is that even fair? And guess what? If you're experiencing spiritual warfare, Jesus is with you. If you have gone through a divorce, I want you to know Jesus is with you. He has not left you. He never leaves you. He never leaves you. He will never ever leave you. Always. Until the end of the age. You matter that much to God as the individual. That He will never leave you. If you're going through something right now. Depression. Anxiety. Loneliness. Isolation. God is with you. 
He is with you. Every step you take in this world, God is with you. And if you're feeling anxious, the Lord is your God. And the Bible says He goes wherever you go. And I hope you hear that this morning. Jesus, the sovereign God of the universe, is with you. And this is the promise of our God. When you give your life to Him, when you are baptized into Christ, He gives you His Holy Spirit. What's happening is He's making His home in you. What an incredible thing. This is not a far off God who can't even be understood. He's he's given us the the instruction manual, which we're going to start to study next week. The Sermon on the Mount. It's going to be amazing. But He's given us His Word that is alive. and, And He's given you His presence, His Holy Spirit. And if you are truly His, then you are His forever. That is the promise of Scripture. And the kind of presence that Jesus is also referring to when He speaks to His disciples and to you and to me as we go out and make disciples of all nations is an enduring presence. It means when times get tough, He'll be with you. When you're broken and you're having a hard time paying your rent, He's with you. When the world is fighting and against one another and all of these things that are so crazy and uncertain, He's with you. Even when you have to wear a mask, He's with you. Because a mask won't block the Holy Spirit from moving in incredible ways. When you have to wear a mask, God is with you. He'll always be with you. Psalm 193, or 39, verse 3. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. There's never a moment when God's not acquainted with your ways. He's always with you. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever you came in this building with, whatever baggage you feel like you're carrying, God is with you. If I go up to the heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. God is speaking to someone today. There is never a moment in your life when He's not with you. Don't you ever think otherwise. Don't you ever think otherwise. So if we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is with us, then what do we do next? Number two. Number one, Jesus is with you. Number two, you believe that He wants to use you to make disciples. You believe that. You believe that Jesus wants to use you to make disciples. You have to be convinced that Jesus is with you. That He can do immeasurably more than you're asking, thinking, or even imagining right now. He's that good. He's that powerful. He's that wonderful. He's the King. He's Lord. He's in control. He's got all the authority. He's with you. So you need to believe and you must be convinced that He wants to use you even in ways that you're not even thinking of right now. He's that good. And so discipleship, it doesn't happen without the presence of Jesus. Jesus says, apart from me, John 15, apart from me, and you can do nothing. The most important part of discipleship is God with us. So, discipleship doesn't happen apart from Jesus. It can't happen. True, authentic, Christian, biblical discipleship, it will not happen apart from Jesus. And he promises to always be with me. Jesus says something, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, 
and it will be done for you. And it will be done for you. So go and make more disciples. Tell them about me. Uh, Teach them what my word says. Baptize them and then go make more disciples. Keep multiplying it. He says, if you abide in me, and my word, what he says, abides in you, ask whatever you need, and I'll do it. Jesus is writing his church a blank check saying, ask me whatever you need, and I will do it. So here's the next question. That's to the group. But what about the individual? What do you need Jesus to do in your life to make disciples? What do you need from Jesus to accomplish His mission? He is writing you a blank check saying, ask me whatever it is that you need according to my will and according to my purposes for my glory, for the renown of my own name. Ask me whatever it is that you need and I'll give it to you. Jesus is offering you a blank check, by the way, to your family and in the neighborhood that you live in and the places that you work and the city and in this nation and you can even pray for the world. But Jesus is saying, ask me for anything. So, what do you need Jesus to do? You need, do you need courage to share the Gospel? Ask Jesus for courage. He's saying He'll give it to you. Do you need boldness to talk to a family member, a relative? Do you, you know, sometimes we have to have difficult conversations with our loved ones about faith and, and how they're walking and, and all of those things. And That does take courage. It, it requires boldness because those conversations aren't easy. What are they going to think? And they're going to think that I'm judging them and, and, and all of those things. And, and that, those are good things. Those are biblical things. We should be doing those, but they're hard. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. So do you need boldness to have that conversation? Do you need the Spirit of the living God to give you the courage needed to open your mouth to speak truth? Ask Him. Ask Him for that. Because He's saying, if that's what you need to further My kingdom, if that's what you need to make disciples, ask Me, and I will give it to you. Jesus wants His name to be known all over the world. He's writing us a blank check. Maybe you feel like you don't know enough about the Bible. The next question would be, do you, do you read it? But Jesus is, is telling us to teach people. So we have to learn ourselves. We're called to be disciples, learners, students of the Word of God. One time a week, it's not enough. God has given you His Word. We talked about last week how many of us have more than one of these. We have the Word of God. Are you learning? So Jesus says, what do you need from me? What do you need from me? Maybe in your own heart right now, you're thinking, you know, I've, I've been struggling in this area. and you know, There's this friend of mine that I know, they're, they're wayward, they're not walking with Jesus, but they just need like a good word. And, and I've just, I just haven't been able to muster up the courage to do it. I hope that before you leave, when we end in worship, you pray to the God who hears and you ask Him for that courage. Because there's no doubt in my mind that that person created by God and wants, God wants to hear the good news. That Jesus has died for them, and He rose again so that they may have new life. So if you ever feel like you're not doing enough, just ask yourself this question. Do people look at my life, and do they marvel at Jesus? Do people look at my life, and, and do they marvel, marvel at Jesus? Tell, about, tell people about what God has done in your life. Just tell them. Look what God's done. Look what He's doing. 
Like, like tell people so that they may marvel at Jesus. The worship team can go ahead and come up. Jesus has said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, Jesus is with you. Whether you believe it or not, the power of Almighty God lives in you. And all of this uncertainty and, and, and distress and unrest, and it's like, man, are these the end times? How often do you hear about these are the end times? I mean, we've all seen things on uh, social media or, or even the news, or, or you just go to YouTube, and it's like end times this and end times that. And, and oh my gosh, is this the end times? And let me just read to you what Jesus says. This is the Word of Christ, and, and this Gospel of the Kingdom will, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. <laughs> Whether these are the end times or not, really doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is are we making disciples? And in fact, Jesus says that He will not return for us until all nations hear the good news about Jesus. That's when the end comes according to this verse. The end won't come until the world hears the Gospel. And so, unrest and all that it doesn't matter. What matters is do we make disciples? And parents, raise up your kids. Pray for them. Maybe they'll go to the places that are hardest to reach. That's terrifying. But what a God-honoring life to live. To go to some of the hardest reached places in the world for the glory of Christ. Husbands and wives, disciple each other. Love each other well. Teach each other. Challenge each other in the Word of God. Open this up. What does it say? What does it mean for us in our marriage? What does it mean for us as parents? Until the end happens, we make disciples of all nations. And the best part about the Great Commission is our God is with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your Word. God, there is no doubt in my mind You are using it powerfully in this room right now. Father, I ask You, that as we're encouraged, as we're challenged, as we're being pushed out of our comfort zones, would You... Give us the strength. Give us the confidence. Give us the power and the courage and the boldness to proclaim this good news, even if it was just one person. God, may we pray for, may we, may we give our time and our energy, even if it was just one person. God, for the glory of Your name, help us, Jesus, to further Your kingdom by making disciples of all nations. God, we love You. We trust You. All this is in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.